celebrate being in church together today? Come on. We'll celebrate some lights here in a minute, maybe. We'll get some of those going. Uh, man, it has been a morning, by the way. Like, give our production team a hand, would you? We appreciate them a ton. I'll tell you what, like there's a lot of moving parts to make church happen. And so uh, just sometimes the enemy's at work and, uh, you know, like we don't believe that like it's the devil under every rock, but sometimes, especially today with what we're talking about, uh, we as a team are like, man, the enemy does not want you to listen today, to hear what God has for you. Uh, If you're brand new to ACF, we are in a series uh, called How to Doubt. And we said this at the beginning, the series isn't about giving you more doubts, right? Some of you are like, I'm really good at doubting. Uh, the series is about how to doubt, that there is a right way to work through your doubts. And, and I shared the first week that uh, maybe it's not that we need a new faith. Maybe it's that we need God to make our faith new, right? Like maybe we need Jesus to come in. And, and maybe you're in a season where you're picking apart the pieces of Christianity and you're not sure what you believe right now. And that's okay. And the best place to do that, by the way, is in community. This is where you need to come if you have questions and doubts. And so we want to be honest about that because, as we said the first week, everybody has their doubts. Everybody in the room raised their hands and says, I've got doubts. We've all got doubts. Also, this week is baptism week, which is really exciting. And uh, this is something we do as a church. Uh, We felt God calling us uh, a little over a year ago just to fill up this tank every month. And uh, even, if, even if people weren't scheduled to be baptized, that we would just give you a chance to go public with your faith. And if you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you, today is your day. Uh, we've got people out in the lobby that during the worship part of our service at the end here, uh, they're ready to give you everything you need to get baptized. They've got shirts and shorts and even hair dryers in the bathroom so your hair doesn't have to freeze on you know, the way out to your car. We've got you covered. And so I just I want to encourage you, be praying about that as the service goes on. Is today your day? Uh, to go public with your faith and to make that decision, uh, not to keep faith just as a private thing, but to actually let the world know that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. It's your first step if you've never done this before, or maybe you were baptized as an infant and you didn't make the decision. And as an adult, you, you want to say, hey, I'm making the decision for myself to follow Jesus. And if that's you, we'd encourage you to do that as well. And so we're continuing forward here today, and the conversation is, I think, a heavy one. So I want you to kind of buckle up and prepare yourself. We are talking about the doubt that is caused by church hurt. The doubt that is caused by church hurt. I went to social media and asked people, hey, what is the number one reason that you would say people have walked away from the church? And this was a resounding constant that people said, the reason I think many many of my friends are not going to church is because they've been hurt by the church. Well, in 1772, there was this English chemist named Joseph Priestley, and uh, he went on this journey to discover this substance that was killing people, and they were trying to figure out what it was, and he discovered something that we know today as carbon monoxide. And you all know what carbon monoxide is because you got the little, you know, device on your ceiling that's always chirping and you can't find it, right? You know, so at 2 a.m. you're stumbling through the house like, where's that noise coming from? And uh, that is your carbon monoxide detector. Carbon monoxide kills two to three hundred Americans every single year, and it's something that's been uh, known to people today as the silent killer. It's the silent killer because it's something that you can't smell, you can't see it, and yet it is taking people out. And what I want to start off with here today is by saying this, that I believe that church hurt is the silent killer of the church today. Church hurt is the silent killer of the church 
today. Now, what is church hurt? What actually is it? Church hurt is the hurt or pain caused by Christians that causes us to withdraw from the local church. It's the hurt or pain caused by Christians that causes us to withdraw from the local church. And I would say that there's probably quite a bit of church hurt in the room here today. Because we are a church that, we talk about this, that we're here to amplify the grace of Jesus to the churched, the unchurched, and the de-churched. And many people who are de-churched would say, uh, the reason I'm de-churched, or just kind of coming back to the church, is because I was wounded by the church. And in fact, a recent survey showed that four out of ten people who stopped attending a church did so because of church hurt. So I want you to think about your friends that are like, yeah, I went to church as a kid, or yeah, you know, like I don't, I don't go to church anymore, I don't have any desire to do that, that four out of ten of them did so because there is some kind of wound in their heart that has not yet been mended. And I want to tell you today, and I want to, I want to lean into this conversation because I believe that your church hurt is stealing more from you than you realize. I believe that your church hurt is probably stealing more from us than you realize, that it is taking you out of the game, and that God wants you to operate in power and in purpose, and your unhealed wounds will keep you from doing that. And so we want to process our pain. We want to work through those things and deal with them in an honest way. So what has your church hurt looked like? If you think back and you say, okay, Brian, I do have some wounds, what did it look like? What caused you some pain? Maybe it was as simple as you went through some hard times. You lost your job, struggling with your kids. You had some issues, and in that time, people should have reached out to you, and they didn't. So you walked away from the church. Maybe you went through a difficult divorce, and uh, you know it was a really hard time for you, and you were in a church where if you got divorced, you got excommunicated. And instead of getting the support you should have gotten and the encouragement and prayer you should have gotten, they just sort of ghosted you, right? And you got no support. Maybe uh, you finally had the courage to share that struggle in your small group or amongst some trusted Christian friends, and as soon as they got wind of that issue in your life, they walked away. And that's a real wound, right? Maybe you were overlooked for a leadership position or a a role in the church. Maybe you wanted to be on the worship team. You want to play guitar, and maybe you never played guitar before, but you wanted to be in the band, and you know, like you auditioned, and they were like, hey, maybe you should play guitar first. And I don't know what it was, but it was a real pain. And you thought, I don't want to be around people that won't accept me, you know, as a musician. I don't know what that pain looked like for you. Maybe you were wounded by legalism. Maybe you carry the weight of legalism. This is a huge deal. I talk to a lot of people who every single week they'll come up and say, Brian, I understand you're speaking about the grace of Jesus, but it, my heart just doesn't get it yet. Because I grew up in this environment where it's so much about doing the right thing and being the right thing that I just never understood the grace of Jesus. And, and we know this, Jesus came to the world full of grace and truth. And so what happens is there tend to be grace churches and truth churches. We want to be a grace and truth church. We don't want to ever uh, abandon the truth and the word of God, but we also want to understand that it is salvation by grace through faith alone. Like, you can't save yourself no matter how well you do at your day. You are not good enough to save yourself. That's why Jesus came. And so we want to be a grace and truth church. Maybe, um, maybe you got pregnant. You weren't married, and word got out, and obviously at some point you couldn't hide it. And so for you, like, in that situation, you didn't get supported. You got kicked out of the church, and that was a real wound. And maybe it was a church leader. This happens a lot. There are a lot of people that get wounded when church leaders make 
uh, mistakes or stupid decisions, right? And maybe a pastor had an affair. Maybe a pastor stole some money. And these are real things that happen, and that caused you to go, hey, if I, if I can't follow a, a leader that is trustworthy, I'm not going to go to the church. So I'm going to just kind of do my own thing. Now, I want to start off as I get into the conversation about church hurt and acknowledge first that um, we have our faults and our flaws. And that for me as a pastor, as I talk about church hurt, it is likely that I have caused some church hurt. Like, it, it is just plain likely that over the years, whether I intended to or not, that I've done things that have wounded people. And so I don't think I can even talk about church hurt with first, without first saying, hey, if I have hurt you, I am so sorry. I really am. Like, I, I just want you to know this. Like, people say this to me a lot. They go, Brian, I, I love that you're just like a normal dude. I love that. You're just a normal dude. But here's the deal. If I'm a normal dude, I'm going to make normal stu- dude decisions, and I'm going to do stupid normal dude stuff. And, and that's just going to happen. And not that it makes it better, but that's just real life, right? Because I'm going to make some poor decisions. So if, if I have wounded you or another church leader here has wounded you, I am, I'm so sorry that we haven't always acted like Jesus. Because the truth is, that's, that's what the church is, right? We're a bunch of imperfect people following a perfect God, right? And although it's not an excuse for the, the poor decisions that we make sometimes, you need to understand this, that like we as people and we as the church will make poor decisions sometimes. And I talked about this at Christmas, that we are imperfect reflections of God, that, that we only see dimly lit in the mirror what we see today of what we will see in eternity when we are all perfected in Christ. And that day is coming and I look forward to it, but right now I'm a pretty jacked up guy many, many days. And I just, I do my best to love my family and to care for my kids and my friends and, and I just know I'm going to make mistakes. And I, I'll tell you, like, there is a burden of church leadership and, and I embrace that burden. In fact, James 3.1 says this, it says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, which this always rings in my ear when I get up to teach. I'm like, thanks God, I'm already insecure and your Bible says I shouldn't be a teacher. Okay, but not many of you, some should, but not many of you should be teachers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And so there is a burden in teaching and in bringing the word of God that is real and that we embrace. We don't want to reject that. And yet at the same time, we want to understand what this text says. When it says you will be judged more strictly, here's what it doesn't say, that God will judge you more strictly. Yeah. And this is important because some of you are like, and that's why I don't teach the Bible, Brian. That's why I've never led a small group because of that verse. But here's the deal, is that it doesn't say that God will judge you more strictly. Last time I checked, God's standard for all of humanity is one thing, holiness. Amen. That's me or you. That's whether you have opened the Bible and told people the word of God or whether you never have in your life. Our standard is perfection. Jesus st- sets the standard. And so it does not say that God will judge you more strictly, but it does say that people will. And I acknowledge that. And I know that that's a hard thing and that's, that's just reality. And that's part of daily life is that I can cause wounds sometimes without even doing anything. Like I might walk by you and I'm like on my phone and I'm stressed out about something or answering an email and you're like, hey, Pastor Brian, and I don't say anything, and you're like, see, that's why I don't go to church, because he's one of those pastors, right? Like Wednesday, I just walked right by somebody because I couldn't find my truck keys, right? And I just, they were like, hey, could I talk? And I'm like, oh, I don't know what's, I'm just wandering around, and then later I was like, oh my goodness, I probably just caused some church hurt, right? Like, it's going to happen, and I know that. In fact, the other day, I was talking with a friend, and And they were like, what's it like being a pastor and the burden that you sometimes carry? And I'm like, I think it's probably um, done more good for me than harm. Because there are times where 
You know, I could make some really stupid decisions and I'm like, don't forget your Pastor Brian, right? Right? Like, like don't say that to the checker at Walmart because you don't know who's standing befo- behind you or you don't know who they are. They might have just tried ACF the first time this Sunday. And so be careful with what you... There's a healthy burden of leadership, right? But it's also a burden that we carry because we can hurt people. And uh, even if we don't intend to, and I, and I never intend to, I know that it can happen. And so for you, I just want you to consider where is your church hurt? Where has it come from? Like, what has that actually looked like? And maybe the big question today is why does church hurt hurt so bad? Why does church hurt hurt so bad? I think there's probably a few reasons. Part, I think the, the first one is that you should be able to trust them, and, and then when you did, like, they hurt you, right? Like, you had a high expectation of trust because you thought, Hey, if anybody should be trustworthy, it should be the Christians, right? The people that are trying to act like Jesus. And so when you have this high expectation and they don't act much like Jesus, it's a deep, deep wound, right? Like when you just set the bar low all the time, it's not a deep wound. But when there's a high expectation, it can be a deep, deep wound. I'll tell you, I uh, have probably caused some church hurt over the years. And at the same time, I've experienced some, some church hurt. Um, I, I've been hurt by the church. And uh, a lot of pastors, in fact, have really struggled the past few years. I don't know if you know this, but 2020 was kind of hard, and uh, it didn't necessarily get easier from there. And uh, most pastors in the country felt like they were stuck between the person that thought you were going too far and the person that thought you didn't go far enough in a variety of different areas. And I know a lot of pastors are quitting ministry today because of that. Maybe you lead a business, and if you're in any leadership position, you're like, amen, I get it, I've been there. And so there can be wounds there. For me, I started ministry right out of college and was invited to be a, a youth pastor and a worship pastor, kind of dual role at a church um, that was led by a, a close family friend of mine. And uh, this person I trusted, person who's really close with me, I actually lived in their house when I first moved uh, to join that church and a really close family friend. And over the years, we had a lot of good times. And then Time started going sour a little bit, and we had a collision of ministry philosophies, and um, I realized during that time that I was a terrible follower, which uh, this is kind of an expectation of anybody that comes on uh, the team at ACF, ACF, is that you have to first learn how to follow before you lead, because if you're not a good follower, you will be a terrible leader. And I will tell you, I was a terrible follower, and I just, I, I was really frustrated with some things, and went, took some time away to just pray and get my head straight. God convicted me of some of those things, and I came back to the office and walked in the door, and as I'm walking through with my stuff, he uh, yells out of his office, he's like, hey, don't put your stuff down, I want to talk with you, which is always a bad sign, by the way. And so I go in, I sit down, and he proceeds to say, hey, we met as an elder board while you were away, and you no longer work here. And I'll tell you what, like getting fired from any job hurts. Getting fired from your church hurts in in a certain way. Um, but the deeper wound was because this was a friend. This is somebody that, man, I really trusted. And I walked out of that church that day, and, and, and these were the words that I said to myself, I am done with the church, with tears in my eyes, feeling the pain and the wound of that moment. And, and, and over the next few months, we were actually able to work things out. And um, looking back at it, it was the right decision, and it was the most gracious decision that um, anybody's ever made for me in my life. Like, it was, it was the right call. It just hurt in that moment. And I will tell you, like, that was a deep wound, and the reason I think that it's a deep wound is because friendly fire hurts the most. 
right? Like, do you know what friendly fire is? It's like you're at the front of the battle line, like you're out there going after it, and like you get shot in the back. You didn't expect to get shot in the back. You had your body armor on the front, right? And so, you, so when you get shot in the front, that hurts enough, but when you get shot in the back, that, that's a deep kind of wound, right? I think another reason it hurts so bad is because we expect Christians to act like Christ, which, hey, can I tell you, you should. That's okay. You should expect Christians to act like Christ. But can I just tell you, you can expect me to act like Christ, but please don't mistake me with Christ. Amen. And, and I, you, know, you might be like, done, Brian, that's fine. Have never done that. Some of you have, though. Some of you do have an expectation or a connection that you're like, hey, if you're a church leader, you step on this platform, like, man, you just enter into, like, the next level of, of perfection and holiness. And I'm just telling you what, like, man, I need the grace of Jesus as much as you do. I really do. And so maybe it's that, that you just expected the Christians to act like Christ. Also understand this, the person sitting next to you in this building may not be a Christian. I have to remind people of that in this context a lot, because as a church that reaches to the churched, unchurched, and de-churched, we have people here who are like, I don't, I'm not necessarily a follower of Jesus. And so if you sit down here for the first time back to church in years, and you're like, I wonder if anybody will talk to me. And that person next to you is there going, I wonder if they'll talk to me. Guess what's going to happen? You're both going to leave here and go, see, I hate those Christians. You know, like, that's just going to happen. And so make sure that you understand that not everybody here is even a Christian. This is hard. Broken trust makes it hard to trust again. And we want to trust, right? We want to lean in. But when, when you have your trust that's broken, um, man, it's just difficult to trust again. And we live in a very distrust-ridden uh, culture. We don't trust anybody right? Everything's fake news. We have no idea what's true and what's false in this world, and so it makes it really, really difficult to trust again. But then what happens is we start to multiply our church hurt, don't we? If you let it fester for long enough, it will grow. I promise you that. Church hurt never stays as it was. It begins to develop. And it begins to grow. And then what happens is we think that one bad church experience applies to all churches. And this is where the term church hurt comes from. Notice you didn't call it Christian hurt, right? Or, you know, person hurt. It was just, it was church hurt. Do you know that right now there are 380,000 churches in the United States? Can we agree that's a lot of people to be hurt by, right? Like, if it's really like, hey, I was hurt by the church. Were you now? You know, like, you were hurt by the church, but like 380,000 of them, really? Is that because that is the truth, is that we start to apply it to all other situations, and we don't do this in other areas of our life. Like, you don't go to a restaurant, sit down and get bad service, and leave going, I am done with restaurants. I will never go back to Wendy's again, right? Like, ever again. Terrible service. I had a bad experience. Sorry if you work at Wendy's. It's, I love Wendy's. Uh, <laughs> spicy chicken. It's really good. Um, where was I? No, so if you had a, sorry, if you had a bad, a bad eating experience, you don't just go like, I'm never going back to a restaurant. But we do that with the church, don't we? Just, we go, man, I'm never going back to the church. Now, I want to say something, and this is, if you've been zoning out, don't miss this. This is so important that you get this, is that you weren't hurt by the church. You were hurt by a person. You weren't hurt by the church. You were hurt by a person or a group of people, but not by the church. We have to be honest about this and understand that the, the, the hurt that we have in our heart, like it comes from somewhere, but it doesn't come from everywhere. If you have a Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to spend 
a couple minutes talking about what it means to mature through church hurt. And Paul is writing a letter to a church full of immature believers, and he says things like, hey, you need to move beyond milk and eat some meat. You need to grow up a little bit. And he's seeing some issues beginning to develop within this church, and so Paul writes this letter to the church in Ephesus to call out some of those issues. And as I was reading this text this week, I thought this really applies to us here today as we deal with our own church hurt. He says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. He says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. In other words, no longer live as those outside of the family of God live. He says they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Now listen to this. Due to the hardening of their hearts. Paul says hardening creates ignorance. Ignorance has a source. When you don't see things as they are, it has a source and it comes from the hardening of your heart. Which can we just agree that that's really what church hurt does? is it results in a hardening of our heart. Uh, some of you, you've been in church for a long time, and it's, it's been forever since you've felt something in the church. Like there is a spiritual numbness in your life that comes from a wound that has not yet been processed and healed. And it will harden your heart. And, and Paul says it doesn't, just, it doesn't just leave you there. Like it leads to a lack of perspective and an inability to see things as they are. So how can we begin to process our church hurt? Here's the first step. I think we need to be honest about our hardness of heart. I think you need to be honest about your hardness of heart. Where do you have a hardness of heart when it comes to the church? Where does it come from? What's happening in it? What is it robbing from you today? How does it cause you to see the church different, to see Christians different, to see God different, to see pastors differently? Like, like, where is it coming from? Where is your hardness of heart? Now, I want to acknowledge and kind of parse this out a little bit because I think there are honest forms of church hurt and dishonest forms of church hurt. Like, there is real church hurt, and then there is a type of church hurt that is a dishonest form of church hurt. So here's an example. I believe that a call to holiness is not church hurt. So this is a hard one. Sometimes we go, hey, uh, the pastor called me to the things that God wants for my life, and I just, I used church hurt as an excuse not to pursue better things. So I go, that's ah, just church hurt. So sometimes we use that desire for sin, and we walk away from the church. Here's another one. Accountability is not judgmentalism. It's important. This is a dishonest form of church hurt. You're like, man, those judgmental Christians thinking that what I was doing when I was, you know, drinking my life away was a bad thing or telling me that I, I shouldn't speak to my wife in this way that's, that, that, that's disrespectful, like that's, that, that's, that's really judgmental of them or, or calling me to live in the holiness of God that's really judgmental. Like this is something we can do is we hide behind the guise of church hurt because we don't want to deal with our sin. Accountability is not judgmentalism and maybe they did it right. Maybe they said, hey man, like, what you're doing is hurting you, and it's stealing from your life, it's stealing from your family, it's, it's not God's best for you, and you walked away and just called it church hurt. 
Here's another one. Disagreement is not abuse. This is huge in our culture. We have lost the art of disagreement. Can I agree? Like, when you disagree with me, you hate me as a human. Which I just drives me crazy because it postures us toward ignorance, not away from it, right? Like, if I can isolate myself because you're a judgmental abuser because you disagree with me, then I can live in my own little world. But if we're going to start to grow and learn what the truth is, we have to be open to different viewpoints and open to disagreement and understand that it's not abusive for me to say, hey, this is not what the Bible says is good for you. This is not what God says is good for you, right? Jesus showed up full of grace and truth, right? We want to be a church of grace and truth. I want to bring both of those to the table. So these are some dishonest forms of church hurt, but there are honest forms as well. So, so hypocrisy would be an honest form of church hurt, where Christians who should have acted like Jesus did not, and they didn't admit it, and they're unwilling to acknowledge their sin. So this is important that you understand this. Hypocrisy and, 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 and being a sinner or making a mistake, they're, they're different, okay? The term hypocrisy is this ancient term that comes from, from drama and plays where somebody who would come out on the stage would wear a mask and they were called a hypocrite. And a hypocrite was wearing a mask to pretend that they were something that they're not. And in fact, Jesus talks about this. He calls out the Pharisees because that's literally what they did. He calls them hypocrites, right? Like they're whitewashed tombs, right? They come out, they act like they're all holy, but he says it's like you're full of dead men's bones, There's just nothing but death on the inside, but you look all religious and perfect on the outside. That's hypocrisy. It's not hypocrisy to be like, hey, uh, I should have cared for you better in that moment, and I didn't look like Jesus, and I'm sorry. That's somebody who is a sinner in need of grace. So we give that abundantly because we want that for ourselves, right? But real hypocrisy, when people want to admit it, like that's that's a real kind kind of church hurt. Abuse, any kind of abuse is a real type of church hurt. Some of you man, maybe you've got a story of abuse. Maybe it was emotional abuse. Maybe it was physical abuse. Maybe it was spiritual abuse. If if that's you, I am so sorry that you've gone through that. And if you don't know what spiritual abuse is, it's kind of another level of, of church hurt where somebody uses the Bible as a means to gain authority over your life to manipulate you to do, do what they want you to do. That's spiritual abuse. Is that they take the Bible as a way to kind of like get you into their corner, and that's That's a form of abuse that hurts people. Legalism is an honest type of church hurt. Man, like when you get all law and no grace, it creates wounds in your heart. And then rejection, right? Nobody wants to be rejected. That's a real type of church hurt. I'm convinced that most people in the room today have one question when they show up to the church, and it's this. Do you see me? Do you see me? Anybody? Does anybody see me? And so you need to understand that you may get to answer that for the person next to you. Like, like, like you get to be the person saying, I see you. I notice you. But that can feel real. Like, and, and again, like there's your responsibility to step out and to speak. But again, we as people want to be those who accept others, right? Because we know that Jesus accepted us first. And so when somebody shows up to your small group that's a little different or somebody seems to show some interest in you and you're like, I don't know if we're playing on the same field, like maybe you can show some interest back. Like that can kind of be a pain that's developed and yet um, we all do it imperfectly, amen? Like we, we really do. He goes on, verse, seven, uh, verse 19, he says, having lost all sensitivity, 
They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Paul says the people who don't deal with these, these, these wounds inside of themselves, they become insulated from the truth, and that moves forward into losing all sensitivity, which describes some of you in the room, like you've lost all sensitivity to the Spirit, sensitivity to God's presence, sensitivity to the people around you, and then you've moved. This, see, you see the journey that you go on. So church hurt doesn't leave you where you are. It wants to steal more from you. It moves forward into then giving yourself over to sensuality and indulging in every kind of impurity. It's a journey you go on where you go from being numb to the truth to then going, I'm just going to live in my own desire. I'm going to live in my own sin, and I'm just going to operate in that. You see, some people use church hurt as an excuse to sin. That's what Paul's saying. Saying whatever, not just church hurt, but any kind of unforgiveness, any kind of wound where you're losing sensitivity, we can do that as a, a way to just walk in our own behavior. Some people in the room, maybe you left the church years ago because that was you. You had friends who loved you, maybe pastors who were like, hey, this is not God's call in your life, and you walked away. And you just lived your life like the prodigal son, operating in every kind of impurity, right? You left accountability. And this is the journey. You leave community, you leave accountability, right? When you leave accountability, you're just on a situation where you're just going to launch into any kind of behavior that could be damaging to you, even if you don't see it. He goes on in verse 20. He says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned. I love that call. Like, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, that's not who you are. Whatever that sin is you wandered into, whatever that issue is, you need to understand this, that that is not who you are in Christ. And this gets twisted up by Christians all the time, is that they have this, what I call a dirty, rotten sinner theology, that like, oh, I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner saved by grace. No, Jesus says you're not. You're made holy and righteous in the eyes of God. Sometimes you forget who you are. And you live in sin. You say things, you do things that are not like Christ. So that's not who you are in Christ, Paul says. He says, when you heard about Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. He says, you were taught with regard to that former way of life to put off your old self. It's a daily process. You guys got to wake up every morning and go, I got an old self that wants to be put back on. And, And maybe you put it on last night. Today you get to take it off by the power of the Spirit working through you. He says, take off that old self, that former way of life, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What if you were to take off your church hurt today? That unforgiveness that's robbing so much from you. See, the second thing I think we need to do when it comes to our church hurt is to take ownership of our motives. To go, hey, was it honest church hurt or do I need to just kind of take that off because I just, I use church hurt as an excuse to wander away from the truth. Or even if it was honest church hurt and they made a poor decision in your life, maybe today's the day that you go like, I'm no longer going to let them make decisions for me, right? I'm no longer going to let their decisions drive my life because that's what unforgiveness does is you're giving somebody else authority to make decisions for you, maybe months, years later. And we need to be honest about what's our motivation for that. Why would we do that? That's not who we are in Christ. James 1, 14 says, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Now listen to the journey. He says, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. 
And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You see, we've got we to be honest about our, our own motivations. Paul says, do you know your desires want to get pregnant? It's kind of weird, but that's kind of what he says. Like, if you don't deal with your desires, if you don't keep them, you know, keep control over your desires, they're going to get out. And it's going to get crazy, right? And they're going to go get pregnant. And it's going to give birth, and it's going to give birth to sin, and that sin's going to lead to death. So your desires want to kill you, is what he's saying. If you're not careful with your desires, you've got to be real, you've got to be honest, but you can't see your desires when you're so numb with unforgiveness. You can't see your motivations when you're just numb because, man, they wounded you, they did the wrong thing, they hurt you. Verse 25 says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we, all, or we are all members of one body, and in your anger do not sin. Here's what you need to know. You maybe have a righteous anger about what somebody did, but you don't have to walk in sin. Like, like you need to understand that sometimes you do need to get some distance from somebody. It is okay. I want to affirm this. If somebody is abusive, like get out. Get some space. Get some distance in your life. But be careful that you don't wander into sin. And have unforgiveness in your heart. I mean, some of you, you might need to have a conversation with somebody that wounded you years ago. Some of you, you need to keep your distance. Boundaries can be the most loving thing that you do for anybody. But you need to know the difference and be careful with that and work toward that healing. But you need to start to see where is the church hurt. How do I begin to deal with it? We talked about carbon monoxide It was interesting. I was reading that uh, back in the early 1900s, there were these miners that were dying of carbon monoxide, and, you know, they didn't know if it was in the air, and so they started using canaries. If you're a bird lover, you're going to hate this. Um, what they would do is they'd put canaries in a little cage, and they'd have it in the mine when they're working, and, and when the canary would show signs of carbon monoxide poisoning, they would know, hey, we got to get out. And this is where the term, maybe you've heard it before, is uh, the term, there's a canary in the coal mine. The canary in the coal mine means that there is something that's an indicator that's showing you something is wrong. And I want you to know that there are canaries in the coal mine when it comes to church hurt. What's your canary in the coal mine? It could be something as simply as this. You're just here and you don't want to be involved. You show up and you leave as quickly as possible. And you just kind of take in this church gathering, but for whatever reason you don't want to serve and you don't want to get into a small group because you don't want to be known. Or maybe somebody years ago said you have nothing to offer, and so you're like, I'm not going to bring what I have to the table because it's never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be able to do anything. I want you to know, if you're here, and this is your church home, you've been here for, you know, a few weeks, and you're not having a desire to contribute and to be part of the family of God and to make this thing happen, that is a canary in the coal mine. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Like, you are meant for community, made to be part of the community, not to consume the community. And so that's a canary in the coal mine. Maybe for you it's uh, something like this. You don't invite friends to church. When's the last time you just brought somebody to church? If you don't trust your church enough to bring your friends, go find a church you can trust. Like, like find a community that you can, but, but don't do that. Like you got friends that need Jesus. I mean, bring them to, to the family of God and you know, get them around people where the gospel is being shared. If you're here and you just have anxiety when you walk into church, you're, you're just sitting in the corner, right? You got to keep your exits clear. Uh, that's, man, that's a canary in the coal mine. Here's one, like if I walk by you and you just sort of like, you want to look away, right? 
There's probably a wound from a pastor or something, man. Like if we can't just say hi to one another. It's a canary in the coal mine. Maybe you're critical at church service so far. You're going, well, he didn't use this verse, you know. You got a wound, man. Like there's something wrong with you. Like there's something wrong with me too. I get it. But you got to be real and go like, man, if, if, if that's you, if like all church service, you're just like, man, this is wrong and that's wrong. And they can't, like that's, that's a canary in the coal mine. Like you're not meant to live that way. And it's no wonder that you're numb. It's no wonder you can't feel anything. Because the presence of God does not seem to manifest himself in people who are living in unforgiveness. If you want to operate in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, man, you got to deal with that. He goes on and he says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Some of you read that and you're like, dang, in the wintertime I got like four hours to deal with my junk. (laughs) Alaska, right? Summer you got a lot of time. It's like I got 18 hours to be really ticked off at my pastor. Today you got like just a few. So Whatever I've said that's upset you, you got to deal with it. He says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. He's, I mean, again, it's not just about, you know, the sun going down. He's, he's literally saying that time does not heal all wounds. In fact, it'll probably cause them to fester and to get infected and to grow and to get worse in your life. And then verse 27, do not give the devil a foothold. The image I have here is that when you have church hurt, when you have unforgiveness in your heart, it actually gives the enemy a placeholder in your life. And, and some of you think that, man, I'm just, if I just make good decisions, I keep my church hurt inside of me, it doesn't hurt anybody else. But we, we just read is that there's a devil that wants to steal and kill and destroy and that you can give the demonic power in your life when you don't deal with your church hurt. Which I don't want that, do you? Like, you want that in your family? You want that in your church? This is why, like, again, I think there's a high concentration of people in our church with church hurt. And if we can't get set free, we're not going to go after God's call for our church. So, so we together need to take this seriously. The last thing we need to do with our church hurt is that we would close the door on our church hurt. But maybe today's the day that you stop going, I'm hurt by the church, I'm hurt by the church, and I was wounded years ago. You stop telling that same story, and you process it, you give it to Jesus, and you move forward. Maybe you need to get some counseling, whatever you need to do, but get it. Do, it, do whatever. Your freedom is worth every dollar you put into counseling. I'm telling you what. Like, whatever it takes. It's interesting, over the years, as uh, the miners were using this canary in a coal mine uh, process, they started going through a lot of canaries. Again, sorry, bird lovers. I know it's a terrible illustration. And they were like, we got to figure out what to do. And so they invented this thing called a canary resuscitator. <laughs> Kid you not. They'd put this canary that was dealing with carbon monoxide poisoning into this thing, and they would pump oxygen into its lungs, and it'd come back. And they'd do it all over again. Anyway, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> it's back in the early 1900s. We don't do stuff like that anymore. But again, I think what some of you need is some oxygen pumped into your lungs. Like you need, to, you need to see things for what they are. You need to get some perspective. That's what, that's what perspective does to me. It, it, it puts some oxygen back in my lungs. It kind of brings me back to life. And the thing that we always go to for perspective is the gospel. Jesus crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected for you and for me is the truth we need to get healed from church hurt. You need to understand this, is that Jesus himself, he's a man of sorrow, and he has felt your pain. 
He has suffered under the hands of people just as we have. Matthew 26, verse 1 says, When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Now, don't miss this. Then the chief priests and the elders, the church people, of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and to kill him. Who killed Jesus? The church killed Jesus. So don't miss this. Nobody was hurt more by the church than Jesus, but nobody loved the church more than Jesus. So if you're here and you're like, I don't, I don't think Jesus gets my church hurt, can I just tell you he does? As he was being thrust up on a cross, he felt your church hurt. Because it was the religious who crucified Jesus. They used the Roman authorities, but they plotted to kill Jesus. So he feels your suffering. suffering and, and I just I want you to consider killing the, the cynicism in your heart, the skepticism of Christians and of the church. Not because we're perfect, but because Jesus is, and he's enough grace for you to continue in community and for you to be healed through community. And if that's not enough reason for you to close the door on church hurt, if you're like, I don't know if I can forgive them, understand this. We have all been the cause of church hurt because we have all been the reason Jesus had to die. And so again, we have to understand our part in that you're not just the victim, you're also the perpetrator when it comes to church hurt because we are all the reason Jesus was crucified. And when you get that into your soul and into your bones, you'll start to forgive start to move forward. You'll start to walk the process and we will come to life in some fresh and new ways. And I'm so excited about it. Do you know that God's waking some stuff up in our church right now? Like there's some beautiful things happening in our church. And I, I just, I'm so excited about the power of God being seen in and through this church. I'm hearing about people just getting crazy, man, like sharing the gospel in the post office. You know, like, can we acknowledge that if somewhere needs the gospel, it's the post office? Like that's, that's where we need to share Jesus. I mean, everywhere. But I mean, people are, like, you guys are waking up in some beautiful and powerful ways, and I, I don't want to see our unforgiveness get in the way of that. Uh, I don't have time for your action cards right now. I want you to just consider checking one of those boxes and dropping that in the basket on the way out if you're beginning to follow Jesus today. Also, we have a tank here because I uh, want to give you a chance to get baptized. And if you've never been baptized, maybe today's the day. Maybe baptism is the thing you need to do to move forward. You've never been baptized, and it's like, okay, I need to go public with my faith. I'm done keeping this as a secret. I want Jesus to be public in my life. And again, we've got everything you need to do that. You can just go back to the back wall, see someone in a lanyard, and they'll get you all set up. Would you stand? I want to pray for us. Let's worship together. Father, thank you. Thanks for loving us, God. It's so easy to forget that we are the reason you died. And God, I just want to confess self-righteousness in my own life where I feel somehow right to judge another as I drink in the grace of a God who has no reason to love me. God, forgive me for my judgment. Forgive us for that. Holy Spirit, fill us. Empower us. Work through us. Convict us of our sin, God. And would you heal us today? Pray it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you're getting baptized, you can just walk back to the room here.